Hello, everyone. Come on in and pull up a seat for Countertop Conversations. And for the first time, the very first time, we are actually having someone pull up a seat and join us at the countertop. Eric, I would like to you to introduce your first guest on this pod, my first guest on this pod, our friend, John. All right, yeah. Today we got the good old John Hebner with us. Uh, I guarantee he'll be on here again later down the road. But uh, it's a beautiful day here in Houghton, Michigan. We're sitting on the top porch drinking coffee. Have the thighs out because we got to get these pasty white things back to a little pan before summer comes. Yeah, probably. I'm honored to be on here. I'm yep. I didn't know I was the first guest. Yeah. Yep, very first. Yeah, so for so this is going to be an ongoing part of our uh, countertop conversation series. You'll still get the normal one between me and Eric on every Sunday, but starting Wednesdays sometime in June, mid-May, we're going to bring guests on, and we're looking forward to it. And, I mean, I haven't had a chance to talk with John since, oh, geez, February probably, right? Yeah, Carnival, yeah. I think. Yeah, we're at Carnival. John, you going to join us for Carney for our live podcast? Oh, I probably could do that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I imagine we might have uh, quite a few guests in the room when we do that one. Yeah, a little round robin. Going. Oh, for sure. Yeah. That'll be good. But. Yeah. Yeah. So, with the first uh, interview, um, I don't know. We're just going to kind of see how she goes. But. Cole, do you have anything that we normally do or you got anything to say first off? Uh, no, but I do kind of want to ask. So, like, one thing I've been curious. Now, we're all Wisconsin boys. And I was watching John Taffer the other day. And I watched someone make an old-fashioned. I was really, like, really hurt by how they performed the action. When you guys think of making an old-fashioned, how do you guys think of doing it? I want to start with you, John, on this. Um, well, I think kind of the epitome that I've recently, since the whole quarantine things happened, is Charlie Barron's himself just making the old fashioned. Yes. And I, I think it couldn't have been more to a T. My way, I remember it from a uh, young lad or whatever, still over 21, of course. Of course. Uh, was my grandmother making old fashions almost exactly the same with the muddler and. A little bit of sugar cubes in there. See, no, I didn't Fantastic. see the video. So what was his exact? His exact was, so you take, you got your um, your bitters, you got your cherries, and you got your orange. But you, And you muddle that all up, or and, and the sugar. Okay. So you muddle that all up. You don't muddle the rind, because that's to make it more bitter. If you want it more bitter, you just add more bitters. Fair. And then you pour in your brandy. And your ice and whatever you want is floating on top. So usually squirt. And that, to me, is the perfect Wisconsin old-fashioned. I agree. Sweet. I do like every now and then, though, if somebody's only got, like, diet squirt or something, like it's it's a little sweeter, then I I like it with whiskey. Okay. I do like a whiskey old-fashioned as well. I I don't really discriminate between the two very much. For me, I think it comes down to what floats on top. When I think of a brandy old-fashioned, I think of fruit. And maybe it's just because my dad always drank whiskey old-fashions, and I always saw that. But 
when I hear whiskey old fashioned, I always think mushrooms or olives. And that might just be like me growing up specifically with him just drinking whiskey old fashions. Yeah, I don't know. Cause I mean, I, I'm more of a, as, as un Wisconsin as this is about to be, I'm more of a whiskey old fashioned kind of person over brandy. But I don't know. Like, I still think of fruit with whiskey. Yeah. Yeah, like I said. Like a good cherry. I like a good cherry garnet with mine. Give me a cherry, then the orange kind of like bent and then speared through both sides of the fruit, and then another cherry on it. I think that looks like beautiful. Mint. Little, little much for me. I have a little, <laughs> little simpler. I have had it before too where there's no, um, the only sugar in there is just the sugar cubes. There's no carbonation, there's no extra anything on there just a mixture of the um brandy or whiskey and then you have a little bit of syrup and stuff and bitters in there and then i've had that where i like it a lot with it's got mushrooms and olives okay. and stuff as the that's pretty good a little bit stiffer and that's that's kind of the old-fashioned that i've seen kind of everywhere else other than wisconsin the sweeter old-fashioned is pretty much a wisconsin thing i think once you start getting into some border cities and stuff like the wisconsin old-fashioned thing starts to go down like i'm up here in superior wisconsin right now and i don't you don't get fruit muddled you know i just they just don't taste right you get a brandy sour brandy old-fashioned it's just nah i don't want it pass have you john have you ever had the old-fashioned at um uh the Ramada in town. I honestly have never been to the Ramada to eat or drink there. What? Really? Yeah. Well, th- wait, hold on. Am I thinking the right one? Ramada's across the river. Yep. Yeah. So I got to say that I think this is, it's hard to find a good old fashioned outside of Wisconsin, like you said, Cole. But this one, that they do it right. Like, I was thoroughly yeah. surprised when I got one on my birthday there. Hmm. I was just like, actually good. And I don't know. I think they awesome. they did it right though. Where I feel like a good old fashioned, you can't put too much soda in at the top. No, you can't. I, if I can't taste whatever liquor is in whatever drink I'm having, I I don't like it that much. It turns into you gotta be able to whiskey sour at that point. Yeah, you gotta be able to taste the bitters. Not a hundred percent, but like yeah. it gets closer to that. Well, that's like up here. Um, Cole, have you been up to any of the bars downtown in Houghton? Uh, I've been to the library, and that was it. Okay. Well, there's one of the downtown or up here. If you ask for a whiskey sour, it's just whiskey and squirt. That's all it is. It's nothing too special. Well, at least you, when you ask for a whiskey sour, you don't get whiskey and sour mix. I get that a couple times up here. Could be worse, I guess. <laughs> now, now, going off the whiskey sours, I have seen where some people put an egg white in their whiskey sours and mix it up in there. Have Never you ever had that? that? Nope. Cole, have you? I haven't, but that's something interesting. Like, like the eggs actually, like, it's mixed, so the eggs, like, it's technically not raw because it's kind of turned into meringue a little bit, I would assume. You know, I right? I. I haven't had one myself, but honestly, one of our friends up here in Ratsy, she said that her older brother swears by him now, like only does 
whiskey sours okay. with the egg white. Kirtank, your oh. older brother, I think. Yeah. Hmm. Least I'm well, I can say you're probably, I don't know. My, you're probably not getting that everywhere, though. Like, that's got to be, like, just, like, a special one place. I would think so. Yeah, no. Your brother's pretty cool. Were you there when he came talk to everybody in Routsy? No. I missed that one. I think I was at practice. Yeah, so he's, I forget where he's at now, but he's been flying F-15Cs. Like the Okay. The straight air-to-air ones all the time. He's major now and everything. That's sweet listening to him. So for anyone that's listening in, and for you, Cole, because I don't know how much you, how much I've told you, but uh, John's going to be a pilot for the Air Force. He got his pilot slot, and hopefully, from you, yeah. And from what I know, you want to go fighters. Yep, that's. Have you always wanted to go fighters? Not always. Um, I was back and forth for a while. It's more around the mission set for me. Like, you and I have talked a lot about helicopters, mm-hmm. um, and that would be awesome. My chances of getting into that, though, are not nearly as high because helicopters are so specialized in the Air Force. Yeah. Um, it's not the branch to get into if you're going yeah. to fly helicopters. Which one is, then? The Army. Army. They fly okay. a ton of them. They, have, they don't have many fixed-wing aircraft no. at all. Most of okay. them. Uh, and the Air Force is kind of the king fixed wing stuff. And, and then we have the biggest. Yes. I love when everyone, you talk with the other branches, and it's just like, yeah, like, when we we were in uh, C-130, came up here for refueling, I think, no, what was it? I didn't go on the trip, did you? Oh, like KC-135? Yeah, that's what yeah. it was. And um, everyone else is just like, yeah, like, that plane's huge. And then, like, all of us Air Force guys look at each other, we're like, uh, it's no. actually kind of small for us. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was at uh, EAA last summer, which anybody that doesn't know what EAA is, is um, the, the Experimental Aircraft Association. And they do a, a huge air venture in Oshkosh, Wisconsin, which is the biggest uh, aviation festival in the world every year. Yeah. So I grew up 20 minutes from there, which is what made me want to be a pilot start off with that my my grandpa was really into aviation and he was in the navy um but at ea they had a c5 galaxy which is the biggest aircraft the u.s military operates which is the air force and it is incredible when you stand in that thing it's you could fit i think four basketball courts like horizontally in there yeah is huge, and I then there's how many buses. Yeah, I forgot how many buses like you can fit in this thing without it like having any problem. Yeah, it's it's pretty easy to recognize if anybody's seen an airplane where the the nose opens up, the front of the airplane folds up and over the top of the cockpit, so you can drive vehicles in and out both ends. That's awesome. It's unbelievably big. Yeah, the only problem is they don't like. From everything I know, they don't like opening up the front end just because the plane's been known to break down a time or two. And uh, <laughs> normally when the nose comes open, something goes wrong. Well, it's the uh, – it, they call it kneeling. Yeah. Uh, so that when they open up the front so that they can get things yeah. into it, the front wheel actually has a hydraulic so it lowers it down closer to the ground. And it's – that thing is supporting so much weight that it breaks. Yeah. But they always seem to do it, from what I've heard, and when they're in, um, like, 
LA and Hawaii and all the nice bases. They seem to do it to anyways. work it. And if it breaks down, then they're stuck in somewhere that they like. <laughs> so, what would you guys do? Like, because we both have two potential engineers here, correct? Uh, I am an economics major. I'm kind of banking on the Air Force. <laughs> okay, so we have two Air Force guys here. What What do you think could be like fixed or help make it so those big planes, the hydraulics for the front wheel, like doesn't break? Could like adding a second wheel help, or is there anything else that could support it more? Um, at this point, I don't really think so. Personally, I was so I was just as a caveat. I was in engineering my first two years of college. I'm not anymore, but I think. The way that most of the projects work is they kind of create it, and then they just work on upgrading it as it needs to. And for that, the for the amount that the Air Force actually needs those aircraft to perform that specific function, it's not worth spending the money on a project to actually like fix it when they can just replace it with whatever parts they have left. Gotcha. Okay, that makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. I, I agree with that one. I think it's just like mm-hmm. we'll pay the maintenance fee how many ever times it breaks because starting a whole new project of figuring out how to fix it completely is just going to drain the budget. Yeah. Especially when the F-35 is already doing that. F-35 and the KC-10, right? Yeah. <laughs> the $32 billion project that the uh, um, chief staff of the Air Force said yeah. in the No, what Boeing does contract already have world, and then they came out other I don't know to go. It's like yeah, refueler can't hold all the fuel because it just starts leaking out somewhere. (laughs) I heard that's not good. No, I heard that's not good. (laughs) But back to. What I was saying before, do you know exactly what airframe you would personally like to go fly in? I know you, you, we said fighters, but... Fighters um, is what I would love to do. Anything where I'm working closely with anybody who's boots on the ground. Like the kids who are on the ground or and actually facing off with some sort of threat on the other end of whatever... Uh, yeah. so, and most type of mission capable of doing that. Type of mission. Yeah, we've got multi-role sets. Yeah, well, I know I've told you this book. It's called a uh, Viper Pilot. Mm-hmm. I think the guy's name is Dan Hampton. I don't. I, I don't want to. Don't quote me on that one exactly. But the, the book's name is. is Viper pilot, and he's talking about the seed mission, which is a suppression of enemy air defenses. So, for those that don't know what that means, is the rockets that the sole job is to and shoot it down. Your job as flying seed missions is to go straight at them and them so that other craft don't get blown up. So, it's high risk. And in Vietnam is when it started to become a big deal. So it's 
still a really big deal now because a lot of other nations can't match the air superiority that the United States has or nowhere close. So they have different means of dealing with that threat, which the cheaper option is to go with those like rockets or SAM sites, surface to air missiles. Like that mission is awesome, which the F-16 does right now. So if I could get into that, I would be super happy to be in F-16s because they are a multi-role fighter. Mm -hmm. That or the uh, F-15E, which is also a multi-role fighter. Isn't though? I I hear everything's getting phased out, and I don't know what is. To be honest, I wouldn't mind going into an aircraft out though. So then you can get into the new one that's so coming I can in. Transition into something else too, yeah. so I could fly more than one aircraft or yeah. airframe. Which that'd be cool to get into the A10s also. That's that would be like my absolute pick of anything. I'd like the option of knowing how to dogfight and stuff and do that multi-role would be really cool. It just, it just doesn't happen as much anymore. Yeah, like at all, really. <laughs> but the thing is, the training is what's really cool. Yeah. Um, and then if like fighter weapons school is something prestigious and all on its own. You and I were talking about that the other day mm-hmm. where that's just unbelievably hard air to air training. And then you also learn like the air to ground training, everything that you could possibly do in a fighter. You learn how to do. Yeah. Cool. But, Look up what an A-10 looks like. Cause you don't know what that plane is, correct? Not a clue. Yeah. Look that up. It's nickname is the Warthog. Yeah. All right. Well, okay. A ten Warhog. You said yes. its official name was the A ten Thunderbolt two, which is off of the P forty seven Thunderbolt in World War two. That actually was it was the highest produced fighter of the war, and it was the most heavily armored, mostly armed, and it was in charge of just destroying absolutely everything on the ground that the Nazi regime was making. So trains convoys of trucks it just destroyed all supply chains as well as any fighters in the air and then they made the a10 warthog or thunderbolt 2 which is heavily armored heavily armed meant to just destroy everything on the ground like that uh how i want to work as closely as i can to anybody on the ground the a10 warthog is the epitome of that it's it's a plane built around a gun which is a 30 millimeter? I think so, yeah. It's 30 millimeter, seven barrel Gatling gun. And I think you can hold the trigger wide open for 20 seconds and you're out of ammo because it goes through ammo so fast. Yeah. But I don't even think, I don't even think you're allowed geez. to do that practically. Just no, like you do one second barrels bursts. Would just yeah. heat up. You do one second bursts is it. And it's perfect though for the type of conflicts that we're in right now because it has that gun on the front when a bomb or a rocket is too dangerous because you're either going to be destroying um, the civilian population in the areas, uh, homes, fields, roadways, making their life harder when our mission overall is to try to help rebuild their civilization and rid it of, um, of like a terrorist threat. So you don't want to go around blowing up their houses because of that, unless it's a, such a high value target that it's it's worth it. Which is something I don't always maybe get into later. But yeah, we aren't high enough in the high enough up in the chain to make those calls. No. Yeah. 
<laughs> so with the with the Gatling gun on the front, like what kind of spread does that shoot? Is it pretty dang accurate right there? Like if it was just sitting on the ground and you're just aiming at a target, is the is the pattern going to be wide or is it going to be pretty narrowed in on it's the target? It's going to be very accurate. They just come through, okay. they make a pass, and it's just a straight line of destruction. Yeah, I mean you're going to have some variance, but I'm. Oh, I, th- I think it's like a 30 by 30 square. They die about it. I think 90%. Oh. That's crazy high. Things in that area. Like that, or that, obviously the high. Yeah, it's like the farther away the aircraft is from the target, the wider the spread's going to be. But they're usually coming yeah. in. Okay. Yeah, because I mean these pictures, a couple of them yeah, are pretty so low. Got, how it got the warthog name? Do you know? Oh yeah, yeah. no. Got the warthog name. Actually, I know it's got it's got something to do with the painting on the front, right? I think that. And are you talking about the, the teeth noise makes when it's firing? Cool. Look up a video. Yeah, those teeth and everything yeah. actually come from. Uh, what's the the group known as it was the it was in world war ii it was so the united to go to war with japan so they created a company that the these pilots were paid through a company which china hired the company (laughs) to help help protect them against the, the japanese at the start of world war ii which is they were flying p40 warhawks there was flying tigers. That's what oh, it was. Yeah. And they started putting that yep. decal or that paint job on the front with the teeth and everything to try to scare. It makes me think of a tiger. Or or a, not a tiger, a shark. Badass. Yeah. They... yeah. Especially like. That's what it looks like more to me always. But yeah. No, but when you, when you hear the the gun go off, it literally sounds like a warthog snorting. Yeah. Like, it is sick. And from everything um, that I know, we all know Sam Olson, and he's a Marine. And all the boys on the ground, all the Marines, I have ever heard, they say if you're an A-1 pilot and you walk into a bar, you are drinking for free for the night. Jesus, I, I need you. to figure out some way to get that deal. <laughs> yeah, but I have to buy well, a round of drinks. You're getting a round of shots on me. Yeah, that one's coming right back at right back to me, so I love it. <laughs> but so, like, yeah. for both of you two, before you guys kind of retire from your Air Force after your set time is up, is there one specific plane like you'd want your last fly to be in? And no, and I'm seeing well, if you, you got a really choice. A, like, you can't just switch airframes whenever. Like, because you have to go okay. through training to fly a new airframe. So, it's really, like, you try and choose one that you're going to enjoy the mission set, you're going to enjoy flying, and then it's just a sad day when you know it's okay. your last flight in that airframe. Um, but, I mean, like, from everything that I've heard, a lot of guys do get to switch airframes throughout their career a little bit. Um, 
just depending from, on assignment. Yeah. Stuff. Assignment. Special assignments, things that come up. Needs of the Air Force. Yep. They that makes that sense, first. to be honest. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah we, it, we're just on the losing end of that one sometimes. Yeah. But, uh, I don't know. I, I, I feel like I can't answer that question at the moment, knowing that that's a long ways out. Um, that your frames I'd want to get into or anything that does the ground close air support type of mission to help protect those guys who call for help when they need it. And if I can, I don't know, the mission set is what's more important to me than what I'm actually flying. So if I can do that mission, I don't really care what I'm flying. So as long as it's not the new F-35, we'll have the problems <laughs> they had with that. Um, yeah. But I don't know. I want to go fast. I want to be that badass top gun type guy that walks out with my with my weather jacket on. That sounds pretty cool. But the mission's what matters more to me. Like if I if I can serve in that capacity. Gotcha. Okay, happy. that's awesome to hear. That's incredible. But to go off that, I think the first airplane I would love to own because oh. go to the Air Force is something that I can kind of go adventuring with. All right, everyone. Sorry about that uh, technical error there we had during John's interview. We were out on the deck having a great time, enjoying the nice weather, and I should have been smarter than to leave my phone out in the sun and it ended up overheating too much. Um, And it was our buddy's graduation day, so we didn't really have time to end the podcast or the interview then. And I want to hear about what plane he wants to own for his first airplane. But you're going to have to wait to find that out until the next time that we have John come on. Yeah, and I mean, I'm super excited to find out. And I, I know we're going to have him on again. We get to see him a couple more times in the summer. So um, hopefully you guys want to find out just as much as I do. And I just want to say thanks for coming in. And know you always have a seat at the countertop. See you guys later. <laughs>